Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which Please Radio sent you. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, I'm on the internet, as always, because no one ever leaves their homes anymore. And uh, I'm with a band that hasn't been on the show before, but I feel like you guys have been around for a while, and I know you have a lot of new things that have been uh, going on recently uh, that I want to talk to you about, but before we even start any of that, I think the best way to get this kicked off is if the two of you want to introduce yourselves and what it is that you do in the band, and then maybe just give a bit of background about what the band's all about. Sure. Uh, so I'm Griffin. I play bass, and I do a bunch of the production side of uh, Grizzly Fate. Cool. Uh, my name is James, and I am vocals in a Grizzly Fate. And how many other people are you missing here? How, how big is the, the, the full band? Uh, so right now, uh, we're only missing Avery. Okay. Uh, so there's three of us currently. Uh, and then that will probably grow to about five once... You know, COVID lets people jam again. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. So the three of you, I guess, are the core of the band, though? Like, you're the, the, the permanent... Yeah. Uh, okay, cool, cool. So, and I know you have a new album and uh, that, that just came out very recently, and I do want to talk about that, but first, I need to... Uh, this has come up once before on the show uh, a couple of years ago, but the term Easy Core... It, it, it was a new one on me when I first heard it, uh, you know, whenever it was that I was first introduced to the term, but it just sounds so fake to me. It sounds like something someone made up <laughs> as a genre to be like, oh yeah, something core, and they just threw a random word in it. So I, I feel like I'm not alone in that, in, in just being baffled by this genre. So I mean, I've heard, I've heard your stuff, I know what you sound like, but how do you define that? What the hell is easy core? Um, I would define it as if you had pop punk, but added breakdowns from hardcore into it. Okay. That's, so that's... really... It's as simple as that at the end of the day. Just happy, heavy, fun, goofy. Okay, okay. That's that's, that's pretty pretty clear. So I, I guess those are fairly uh, disparate things, though. I mean, pop punk they're, and, and hardcore breakdowns, I mean, they're, they're within the same umbrella genre of, you know, big tent punk rock, right? But yeah. there's definitely some... Uh, drastic differences i mean pop punk has that kind of like you said happy sort of uh upbeat goofiness to it almost and then hardcore is pretty much the opposite <laughs> you know sonically and emotionally and aesthetically so what yeah. works what works about this dude together like how, how does that how do you make those mesh and not just seem jarring i guess i think the the best part about easy core is how now obviously say easy it is for people to move to it like okay. no matter what part of the song someone can move along to it if it's the more like pop punky stuff you can jump around sing chant and stuff like that or when you hit the breakdowns there's tons of moshing that can come from it yeah so really no matter what taste you have there's some part of a song that you can groove to and you can move along to and i think like especially when i'm writing songs i'm like okay this part i want people to be dancing to i want people to be jumping around to this part yeah, yeah. and it's a lot easier with easy core because you have such a broad range of stuff you can hit on. 
Does that make it um, a little easier, not to use easy again, but uh, a little simpler for, for, for your band to um, sort of move between genres because you have elements of pop punk and because you have elements of hardcore? Like when shows were happening, did you find it that you, you were able to kind of uh, fit into different subgenres and different little uh, aspects of the scene because you're kind of mutable that way? Oh, yeah, yeah. James, we played with all kinds of bands. Oh, yeah, we've played with everything from, like, guys doing emo trap stuff to some really hardcore bands, some just straight pop punk. I think we've even had, like, shows where someone's done, like, an acoustic opener before. Cool. Maybe that was a long time ago, but, yeah, tons of stuff. I will will never forget, we played a show at the Windsor Hotel, and it was, like, we were on the more pop punky side of it, and then the band closing out the show was, like, super hardcore to the point where the dude was like punching himself in the face trying to make himself <laughs> throw up on stage and we're like we're playing with this <laughs> like, it was so wild that's cool would you remember where that band was called <laughs> i'm kind of curious to know who was doing that that was is that Underlier or Underlier? It might have been Underlier, okay. yeah. I remember he was sticking his own fingers down his throat. And we were like, is he going to throw up on stage? <laughs> yeah. They were great, though. Fucking awesome show. Yeah, They're yeah. wild. Cool. So <laughs> that, that does sound like a fun show. Um, right? Because, you know, I've been doing this show for like eight and a half years now. And, I mean, I have my own sort of background in the Winnipeg music scene. Um, but I always try to sort of file everyone away in my brain as to sort of where they're coming from within Winnipeg's music community. So what were the bands that, that you guys uh, sort of came up listening to? Like, were there certain artists that you went to a lot of shows of before you started your own bands? Or, you know, who were your influences within Winnipeg? Um, For me, I know the first big band that I, like, the band in Winnipeg that really I went to see multiple times over and over was Dreadnought. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think I was 14 when I first saw Dreadnought show and I saw him like six times after that. But like other bands, um, I don't know, like that was the big one. I saw Explicit around that time. Yep. And then it was, that's when I started my first high school band kind of being like, I want to start playing metalcore, playing heavy music. And it was really just all the bands I got to play with since then. I've kind of, you, you take a little bit out of all the experiences you get along the way and kind of meld it into who you are as a musician. Sure. Yeah. And then I grew up loving crisis jane those guys like those guys that album, that ep still slaps um and so like i started like playing in a band and doing shows when i was like 14 so okay. it was it was early on that getting that experience of like seeing what other bands are doing and you know as we say you know steal from the best and <laughs> learn yeah. from it and yeah, try yeah. and make it better for sure for sure so how long has the grizzly fate been in existence as a unit um under our, what we originally had another name uh underachiever okay and that started our first show was in 2015 as underachiever but we kind of reinvented ourselves as grizzly fate in 2018 and that's we've been going strong kind of as a band since then Mm-hmm. So that's quite a while. That's a pretty pretty long time to, to to exist as a band, especially in a city like Winnipeg, where it seems like everyone quits and starts new bands with each other as band members, like every week. Uh, not now, obviously, because the pandemic. But you know, yeah. there's, there's a long history of this incestuousness within the Winnipeg music scene. <laughs> so it's, it's cool to yeah. see you guys have been around for as long as you have. And so this this album that you put out, uh, I was looking at some of your social media, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like maybe it was supposed to come out a few months earlier. And is now 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 just got released in at the end of April or the beginning of May. Is it is this a pandemic issue? Like, is this uh, you kind of got derailed by COVID or what happened? This is a hundred percent me. Hundred okay. percent this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
so so this album is the first time I've ever been like, okay, I'm taking the reins. I'm doing the production and all of this. So yeah. I was in charge of the recording and then I did the mixing and somewhat of mastering. And there was, I think, six different points in the past year where I'm like, okay, it's it's done. And then like I go away for a couple of days and I'm like, it's not friggin' done. It's start up <laughs> like keep going. So I was the one that was like, we can get this done in February. I'm pretty sure I can I can have this done in February. And then like a week before February came, I'm like, guys, I can't have this done for February. <laughs> so then it was very much like, all right, whenever Griffin can do this, we're just gonna drop it. Right, right. Uh, yeah. What was it like dropping it in the middle of this? <laughs> I mean, because, uh, you know, February was, it was still during the, the pandemic, obviously, but it, it was a little bit different. I mean, y- people were maybe more hopeful <laughs> that, that things were going to were gonna change. It was kind of right before that big spike, I think, or may- maybe it was during, yeah. I don't know, it all blends together now. But, I mean, what was the sort of uh, feeling behind that? Because you can't play a show to, you know, to release it, right? You, you, the, the way to promote it traditionally is kind of gone. So what was it, what was the experience like of just putting something out there in this bizarre, you know, dystopian future we all live in. It's definitely a little odd because it feels like you're putting something you've been working on for so long kind of just out there and there's no like party, there's no celebration show, which like is what you always would look forward to with something like this. But like, on the other hand, I have seen a lot of people I think are like itching for new music because a lot of bands put things off. They don't want to release something during the pandemic. And with so many old songs on this that we've been, because this is our first major release, we have songs that we've been sitting on for five years that it just feels like we need to have them out to all those people who like came out to a show, who've heard them, like they deserve to have that recorded with some decent quality to listen back to, you know? So I'm just glad to have it out.
Does it, does it feel weird that some of these songs... I mean, by the time shows happen, right? Whether it's three months from now, six months from now, who knows when it's going to be. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But yeah. do you feel like those songs are kind of now in the past? Now now that you've officially recorded them and released them, can you sort of move on past them? Or are you still comfortable playing these five-year-old songs You know, every show? Are you happy to keep doing it? Or do you feel the band has sort of progressed or changed over that time? So... I think James never wants us to play Fuck You Frank live ever, <laughs> ever again. Because uh, yeah. he wrote he wrote that song literally five years ago and six six years ago. <laughs> uh, we even had he even had like a Facebook memory pop up not too long oh, ago, nice. be like, "This is the first time I played the riff." And so I think some stuff like that will be probably relegated to like one like every once in a while. Yeah, um, I think as a writing group where like a lot of those songs were James and Avery writing on their own kind of thing and then just bring it towards the band whereas I think going forward a lot of the stuff is me James and Avery all working together like oh I have this idea or for this song we want to have like this kind of feeling and bringing a lot of different influences that we didn't have for those first couple songs so I, I think we're really excited for the stuff that's coming like that we're working on now mm-hmm. Um, and like we even look at the songs on the album and you can listen and hear which ones are the ones that we wrote in like the past year or so and which ones are the ones that were written a number of years ago yeah and we can we're, we're, we're building for sure well that's just gonna happen naturally too right you're, you're playing together for that long you're, you're, you're hopefully gonna get better and your yeah. songwriting's gonna get tighter and right for sure yeah 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 so what's, uh, I mean, what is the plan, I guess, with this album now that it's out? Uh, of course, you know, the caveat being that no one knows what's happening with the pandemic, but what are you hoping to do with this? Are you hoping that, you know, a CD release show or whatever uh, is something that could happen at some point, or are you just going to sort of, uh, now that it's out, move on to the next thing once you're able to all get together and then start uh, playing again? Um, haven't put a ton of thought into, like, the first show back there definitely, I'm not sure if we'd market it as a, release show because it'll probably be so long afterwards yeah yeah that being said like we have physical copies we might push them a little bit just and hopefully we're also writing currently so even just having new music by the time a show comes around is probably a goal of ours yeah yeah to be dropping new things at that point too well that that makes sense yeah it was so funny because last winter like before covid i was doing all this work to get like backing tracks set up and synths and stuff so that way when we play it live it'll be all ready to go and then COVID hit and it's like okay well put a lot of work into that who knows when that'll come to light so I'm excited for that first show when we can have like a full soundscape on stage with us finally play to a click (laughs) yes (laughs) is that something you haven't done before having that that full soundscape never 
like it was interesting like before we we really sat down and we're like you know what we're producing this thing we can incorporate all these different sounds yeah. and stuff that we want to um we didn't really have any synth stuff we had talked about it um but it was always kind of like oh that would be cool yeah and then just hanging out working around my keyboard and stuff we we're like well let's just do it let's just write stuff and see how it sounds and if we don't like it chuck it like yeah yeah, yeah. And to have that added to the old songs also just kind of felt like a little little thing to add into them to make them interesting again. Like, there are certain parts that it really revitalized my interest in old songs that oh, cool. we have. Well, because it fleshes them out a lot, right? I mean, you can add an extra dimension to it. Yes. Absolutely. So I noticed um, the album cover is by Nico Rudolph, which is super cool. I mean, if you're going to get a bear drawn by somebody, I think that's the guy, you know, <laughs> I can't think of anyone better to draw a bear. How did you uh, end up working with him? Um, I actually got Nico to do the first t-shirt for my original band way back when I was a high school student okay. and he was so cool about it. Such a nice guy. What and band I was that? Uh, we were called Iconoclism. We okay. released one EP on Bandcamp and that was it. Okay. One of those, you know, one of those bands, the incestuous yep. local scene, we all just dispersed. But yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, he did a great job on that. And I remember always thinking how great his art was. I saw him working on comic books, When Big Bears Invade, for example. Yeah, yeah. And uh I, we were talking about doing a whole thing with like having a bear standing in a lake and we weren't even necessarily going to have it be a uh, we weren't going to have it be drawn art or we were going to do a photo perhaps but then once I thought of Nico I was like this is perfect he's yeah. the bear guy <laughs> he is the so, bear guy yeah, yeah. He, he knocked it out of the park yeah, I, I absolutely love it it's amazing it's really cool yeah
mean, that, that kind of brings up another uh, thing that I, I like to ask people about because I'm a nerd about it. But um, the, the fact that you've obviously put in time and effort into coming up with the, the packaging of the record, which, you know, we're in this bizarre world where, where you don't really know what format people are going to listen into, whether it's they're going to be just Spotify or, or, or just on Bandcamp or, or they're actually buying the CD. How important is it to you guys to, to have kind of um, your, your, your work as a complete package. I mean, cause I'm, I'm old. I listen to tapes, records and CDs. I don't understand how Spotify works. I never will. And so, you know, <laughs> and I've, I've accepted that. I've just, <laughs> I don't, my, my kids explain it to me. I don't get it. But, but I mean, it's, so it's always nice to see when there's obviously effort put into it because a lot of people will just take some photo and throw it up on Bandcamp, and there's my cover. Right. But you guys worked with a, I know a well-known local artist and you've obviously put thought into it. So how important is that aspect of it? The, the visual side of things. I'm a nerd for it. <laughs> Good to hear. Good to hear. I, as much as like, I totally listen to Spotify all the time. I like the idea of having a story, even through the visuals. So like, there's little nuances about the the front and the back artwork that I think probably only me and James know. (laughs) But like, I geeked out on one day, and I'm like, man, this would be so cool. There's like this hidden meaning to it and everything. And like, James probably thought it was silly and stupid, but. I, hey man. I love geeking out about that stuff. <laughs> Even if it's just for us, it's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah. 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 Well, what what's, I mean, do you have an idea of, like, sort of what your most of your listeners are, are listening on? Like, is physical, are physical copies a valid thing for a band like you to be releasing? I mean, I, again, I'm glad to hear you are, because as someone who only listens to physical stuff, but what's, uh, do you have, like, a kind of a gauge on your fan base and, and whether they're actually interested in, in CDs? And I, I just, just out of curiosity, because it seems like depending on the genre and depending on the age of the fans and stuff, different bands have totally different experiences with this. It really, um, my goal when I released CDs, because I was really the one that pushed for it, was just to break even and to have those out there in the wild. Because okay. I, for part of it was for me, I wanted to have the first thing we released to be have a physical copy. But also, I feel like um, just people having a physical copy sitting around in their house, it's not something that can be taken away from them. It's just on their shelf yeah. forever, you know? And, uh, I feel like there's it kind of legitimizes a release more than like just a, something being dropped on Spotify and kind of a couple posts about it. Yeah, like definitely. yeah. But that being said, are a lot of people going to just listen on Spotify? Sure, and like that's fine. I'm fine with that. But for the people who want a CD, I just like that it's a possibility and it's still a thing that some people are willing to pay for. I yeah. love that. Yeah. There's a few of us out here. <laughs> We're dwindling. Our numbers are dwindling, but yeah, <laughs> we exist. Got to sure. yeah. keep it alive. Yeah, yeah. So what's, um? I mean, I know we sort of uh, touched on, like, what you're going to do as far as uh, potentially releasing this with a show or not. No, you don't really know at this point, but what, what would be ideal for you? I mean, it's assuming the pandemic ended tomorrow and you were able to immediately jump back into rehearsing, playing shows, touring, whatever. What, what sort of would be the, uh, the ideal situation for a Grizzly Fate to be in? Because it's coming at some point, right? <laughs> at some point. My my, so my dream situation for this would be uh, to because we always talked about having like an EP release show at the park yeah. and everything, especially because now with the new Renos, it'd be sick as hell for sure. Um, so like it would be super cool if we could have a release show there. And there's so many bands that we're close with in the scene that we'd love to have open for us and support us and just be there. Um, 
that to me i think that would be super cool and to have like the full soundscape and the click tracks and all like the the techie stuff that we never really did before um i think that'd be cool as hell yeah it does sound cool
Well, where, where does the, uh, the, the the techie stuff come from? Because, I mean, you know, uh, again, like, the, the, this genre of music that you guys uh, are telling me is real, easy core. <laughs> it's got these elements from pop punk and, and from hardcore, neither of which are really known for their, their synth use or, or click mm-hmm. tracks or computers or any of that. So where does that influence come from? Um, I'd say, like, one of the big albums that really brought it in was... Uh, Four Years Strong on uh, Rise or Die Trying, which came out in 2006. Okay. It was really heavy pop punk with, like, they had a synth player back on the first two albums, and that really kind of made the sound. It's funny, like, you, uh, Easy Core, the name actually came from a tour with Four Years Strong, Newfound Glory, and A Day to Remember. Okay, okay. I, I guess they were just uh, messing around and thought, hardcore? Oh, like, Easy Core, because it's not as heavy, and it's just, sure. like, it became a joke that everyone latched onto for so long. It's become this whole thing. Yeah, it's, but there's it's, so it's, it's, it's so cool because I think back like there was years and years where uh, metalcore bands and easycore bands would have like a dedicated synth player. Right, <laughs> like, right. I always think back to like the Attack Attack music video for Stick Stickly. You just oh, those are the guys who did the weird up. dancing shit, like the weird yeah, 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 yeah. crab, crab, crab yeah, 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 yeah. You see Caleb Shomo just playing synth and just crab coring, and it's it's so funny, but also so cool at the same time. Right, right. Well, I think there's, I mean, like that whole era of stuff. There's definitely like some cringiness to it. I think now I don't know how well oh, yeah. a lot of it is aged, but I think you guys are probably more of the age where you were right in it when it was happening, right? Like I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm almost forty. I'm, I'm, I'm I missed most of that other than seeing it and being like, what the hell are these kids doing? Right. So <laughs> how, how does that whole kind of era age to you? Like, are you still really into some of the stuff you were listening to at that time? Or uh, is it sort of like I, cringy? And... I will forever be a scene kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even if I, even if I don't look it and you know, I wear dress clothes sometimes. Yeah. I, I am still scene kid till death. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Like it's cringe, but you embrace it, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was in a ska band in the '90s, right? Right when that was happening, <laughs> and so like I, I know, I know the feeling for sure. Like there, there's this this weird uh, people look at you strange when you say that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love ska. Oh, me too, <laughs> me too. But yeah, it's uh, it's one of those subculture things that happened, right? And it has a reputation that maybe leaves something to be desired. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true. So, <laughs> if um, if people want to hear your record, uh, you know, again, obviously there's no shows happening. Where where can they get it? Where's the best way to find your music and, and listen to the new new album? Um, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, the whole thing's on there. Pretty much wherever you stream music. And then physical yeah. copies, is that through Bandcamp, or what's the best way for that to be uh, so, obtained? Physical physical copies, you it's really uh, just DM either the band page or um, one of us, okay. and we can, if you live in Winnipeg, we'll deliver it to you, or just mail it to you if you I, live somewhere else. Yeah, we're now mailing. We mailed one off to UK the other day, nice. which was wild. That's awesome, so, yeah. yeah. We're doing shipping now. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the cool things about you know this era is that like people from anywhere can once it's out there, someone in some random country could hear it and be like, oh, I love this, right? And then you can yeah. uh, you get get fans uh, that never would have happened even twenty years ago, ten years ago. You wouldn't have had this opportunity to just reach out to random <laughs> random strangers in other parts of the planet. Yeah. The beauty of the internet. Totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know the good thing about this being a podcast is you know it'll, it'll come out in a few weeks from when we record it, but it'll be just sitting on the internet forever. So, you know, if someone hears this a year from now and maybe you guys are back playing shows or you have more going on, what's the best way to follow you to sort of find out what you're up to um, going forward? Probably uh, Instagram, which is James. Uh, at a grizzly fate. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. And, and then Facebook as well. 
because we still use that because we're dinosaurs. I, do, I, I use it all the time, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is also a Grizzly Fate, or is that a Grizzly Fate official? Um, if you search a Grizzly Fate, we're sure to come up. That's right, right, I would hope right. so. Okay, I would okay. hope so. <laughs> so searching for a Grizzly Fate on social media is probably the best way to do it. Right on. Right <laughs> yeah, on. absolutely. I'm gonna 